This is episode 239 of the Beyond the Food Show, and today we talk to Anne about her 40-year journey with food and body image. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going to Beyond the Food Show. I'm Stephanie Dozier, clinical nutritionist and emotional eating expert, creator of the Going to Beyond the Food Method, and founder of the Going to Beyond the Food Academy. Corporate executive turned health expert with my own journey with weight, body image, and food, It's now my mission to help smart, successful women like you live confidently right now and unconditionally. Ready, sister? Let's do this. Hello, sisters. Welcome back. And I'm excited about today. We are bringing back a segment, uh, an episode format we haven't done in months now. And that segment is called She Share Her Story. And that uh, episode type feature one of our students of our program that has healed her relationship to food and body. And the intention for this episode is twofold. Number one is to serve as a means of inspiration for you, the listener, to take the first step toward healing your relationship to food and body and to see that it is possible. And Anne today is a freaking amazing example of that. Uh, Her journey with food started at the age of 14 years old. I'll talk to you about that in just a bit, a little bit more, but she's amazing. And the second fold is to serve for the student to wrap up their own healing with food and body image by sharing their story. Um, I'm planning on doing an episode on the different stages of healing. And when we look at how human heal, um, sharing coming to term with your own story is the end phase of healing where you can look back at your journey and see it with compassion and see it as an opportunity to learn, right? Because when you're in the throes of it, you're kind of sometimes resentful, angry as to why things happen and you can't see the positive of it. Um, but when you're at the end of it, sharing is in this extremely powerful stage of healing. So that's the intention behind these episodes. And it's also to show you what happens during the process of the going to be on the food uh, method. And most of the students featured on this segment of She Share Her Story are part of our signature program, the Going to Be on the Food Academy a six-month journey through our five pillars of healing, mindset, emotional intelligence, mindfulness, intuitive eating, and body acceptance. And that's what Han did. Um, So a little bit of background on Anne. Anne is a vibrant 55-year-old woman, a retired teacher, a wife, a mom, and she has had a journey with dieting, food restriction, healthism, dissatisfaction with her body for 40 years. Prior to coming here, as I said earlier, her journey started at 14 years old. And and this is what we're going to talk about at the beginning of this interview is how one single comment, one comment from one caregiver 
triggered this 40 years battle with body image first, and then obviously triggered into a battle with food because that's the mechanism we use to change our body image is food. Always remember, no matter who you are and how much you struggle, if you struggle with food, it's 99% guaranteed that the root cause is body image. And that's going to be the starting point of our interview. And then from there, we're going to show through Anne's stories, the side effect of chronic dieting through her own life, um, how it affected her relationship with her partner, and ultimately the health crisis that it triggered her to actually give up dieting. Like she had to have some health issue, like most of us, like me, to actually do the work. And, and that's the hope of these episodes is that we're going to avoid that for you, that it goes as far as that, right? And then the last part of the interview, we're going to talk about why for her reading books, even the intuitive eating books, wasn't enough for her to change her relationship to food and body image. And then we'll go into the work she did over the three months in the going to be on the food method that brought her to the state of peace with food and body. So I really enjoyed this interview and I think it's going to serve many of you. So you ready? Let's hear from Anne. Welcome to the show, Anne. Hi, Stephanie. This is a podcast version. It's the first time ever that Anne is on a podcast. So welcome to this experience. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> well, thank you for putting yourself out into the world and sharing your story. Because this interview is about lived experience and shared experience. So Anne, I put up this post in one of my group program. I said, I'm looking to introduce some of you. And right away, Anne raised her hand. She's like, me, me, me. I want to share my experience. And we'll share at the end of the interview how it unfolded for you and how it brought even more healing for you. We'll get that for the end. What I'd like to do first is to talk about your relationship to food, how it started. So if you were to paint a picture for the listener of your journey with food and body weight. Okay, yeah. Um, for about for my first 14 years, I had actually... Um, a pretty normal relationship with food I and body. Mm -hmm. I had never really thought about my body or food. It was in its place. Um, and then I was triggered by one single comment. At 14 years old, right? But, and when I was 14, um, my my dad made a con an innocent comment. I mean, he only wanted the best for me, but I think he found out from my mom that I had just gotten my period. And uh, he took me aside and said, okay, well, now that you're, you know, starting to become a woman, you have to watch what you eat because otherwise your hips will spread. And I had never thought about my body in any other way, except I was able to run and dance and do things I liked. And all of a sudden, um, I, I thought about it differently. It, it just went from unconscious to, oh my gosh, now I have to watch everything that I eat. And, you know, I was a perfectionist child. So, you, you know, you tell me I need to do something, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it in spades. So anyways, that started a huge amount of starvation, actually, because I knew nothing about dieting. Nobody in my family ever talked about it. And um, so 
in a, in a period of four months, I, I lost a great amount of weight uh, to the point where I was diagnosed with anorexia. Mm-hmm. And it was at the very beginning of that being a diagnosis. My, my doctor didn't even know what it was. He was looking through his medical books and he was sort of scrolling his finger. Anyway, so that was that. And um, I mean, my, I was, my hair had fallen out. I lost my period, all these things. And uh, so my parents, um, at that time, there was no, there was no kind of uh, healing for it. There was no kind of therapy for it. Nobody knew anything about it. So they just forced me to eat. So that launched me into two or three years of now making up for, I had lost about 25 pounds and I was a hundred pound child, like a little, like tiny thing. And um, so I would, of course, what happens after you starve yourself for four months, you know, you, you go the other way. And uh, then my mom started coming in with, oh my gosh, you're getting fat. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so now I was on sort of the other end. And I mean, again, it was fat according to her. You know, it was probably normal for somebody uh, 15 years old by then. Anyway, so, um, so that's, that's when I started, you know, sort of binging and then restricting and binging and restricting. Um, I did this for, for a few years. Then um, I was triggered by, oh, I had a boyfriend and all of a sudden I wanted to be thin. So I went to a clinic called the Toronto Women's Clinic. And uh, again, you give me rules to follow and I'm going to follow them. So of course I lost the weight that my mom didn't like and, um, and I was thin. Um, and again, I felt horrible just like I had done before. And uh, so of course uh, the binging starts again and, and you feel so out of control because when you're not doing that, you just think life is normal. But when you're binging, something's wrong with me, something's wrong. Anyway. So um, I, of course, gained weight and I gained more weight that time. And uh, this is when my mom was really, really uh, kind of picking on me and watching what I was, not only was I having to watch what I ate, but she watched what I ate. And it just made me feel so broken and self-conscious and um, not worthy, not just not worthy. Mm -hmm. I just kept feeling worse about myself. I went off to university and uh, my first year of university, I... I felt for the first time in my life, I felt fat. And, I, and that's not how to start go, living away from home when everything is unstable. So that was a very difficult period because I did not have control of myself. And I didn't feel um, that I deserved anything um, that other girls deserved in terms of you know, going out with guys and so forth. So um, I felt like that for a little while. And uh, uh, then I met somebody, um, and uh, he was a really great guy. Um, he was um, more like a friend to me. Like he was a really, really good guy. Still is a good guy. Uh, we dated for years. I I knew he was a good man. He's a good person. Um, so I figured this is who I have to hang on to. Um, did I love him? Well, that was not for me. I did not deserve that. That was never going to happen. I was told that by my mom that men like thin women. So, you know, if he likes me, then, well, lucky me. Um, and uh, that's, that was that. We got married. Good guy. Still a great guy. He's the, the father of my children. Um, wonderful man. Um, anyways, we, we were married. Then we divorced after 11 years. Um, and then it was, it was always in order for me to move on to another relationship, I had to take care of my body. I had to get thin. 
And so it was always exercise a lot, eat less, and then that would work for a while, then binge. And on, on it went like that. Um, that went on for a few years. Um, then I, I went into a third period of uh, restricting seriously. Um, and again, lost all the weight and still felt, I felt horrible, not just physically, but I did, I did feel physically horrible, but I also, uh, felt worse about myself because all the things you think are going to come true when you're thin and, you know, acceptable, they don't come true. (laughs) Like nothing had changed. (laughs) Like I just thought magically one day, you know, certain things were easier. Yes. Um, you, you, certain people would look at you that wouldn't look at you before. Um, you might've gotten approval from say mom who might have thought this was amazing, but beyond that, I was an empty shell. So that wasn't good at all. So I, I, I went on for 20 years after that of no, no dieting, but after all the reading I've been doing, I realized I was, I was restraining. So you know, I wouldn't allow myself what other people were allowed. So, you know, if we went out for coffee, my friends would have a coffee and a piece of, you know, carrot cake, and I would have a coffee because that's not for me. I can't have a piece of carrot cake. So I did that for 20 years. And then, of course, behind the scenes, when, you know, everybody was in bed, I'd have to go and eat something because I was starving. And, and, and I would never stop after one piece of cake. It was just the whole cake because the next day, for sure, I wasn't going to do this. So that was 20 years. Then um, I got married a second time. And um, this time it was the the type of person that my parents approved of. So this is the type of man that, oh my goodness, you know, Mr. CEO, uh, Mr. Take you on vacation every other week, that kind of guy. Um, I knew from the first month I did like him very much. Uh, I mean, I loved him. Um, but I, I suspected from the first month that he was not a good guy. Um, but so my, my, my body was telling me that he's not a good guy because there was all these red flags. But my head saying, oh, no, 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 no. You ignore, the, ignore that. I mean, this is a man who can get you places in this world. You know, you've got, you're going to have prestige, you're going to have respect, all these things that my parents valued. And um, I, I don't want to make them sound terrible. They're lovely, lovely people. But that's how, you know, they sort of raised me to, to aspire to anyway. So here was this man who, um, you know, on paper, wow, he was just, you know, he was very educated, very smart, great conversationalist, um, fun. But he had this under current of, and I didn't see it at the time, but complete control, complete control. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be with him and be with my daughter. I couldn't be with him and have 10 friends. I had to be with him. And uh, so my world got smaller and smaller. And when I look back, one thing he said to me all the time was, um, I, you are so beautiful to me. Hmm. And at the time, I, I felt this feeling in my body that it just didn't feel right to be told that I, I, I am so beautiful to you. That just made me feel worse each time I heard it because I thought, oh, like I'm lucky that you think I'm beautiful. So again, ignoring all my body sensations, ignoring all my instincts, there were many other things. But anyway, suffice it to say, we were married and two years 
after our, our wedding date, um, I actually had to flee. I actually left him. Um, he, he became more and more not physically aggressive. Uh, he did, the last thing he did was he, we had a pool and he pushed me into it uh, because he didn't like what I said to him. And I, it was nothing. It was simply, um, we, we have to go grocery shopping this afternoon and can you please help me? Something simple like that. And he pushed me for the first time ever. It had never happened before um, into the pool. And then um, we we're in the backyard and he said a bad word to me out loud on a sunny day when everybody else was in the backyard too. And um, that, n- that night I thought, okay, this is the end of this. I am, I'm leaving. Anyway, so uh, long, very long story short, I did and never spoke to him again. And so started my life sort of anew. Um, So then for two years uh, with this new life, I was um, really, really knowing that, okay, if if I'm going to make this work, I really have to get down to business. So buy the exercise equipment, start running. Um, Oh my gosh, start eating differently. So no carbs, you know the story. It's, you know, not quite keto, but certainly, okay, paleo. And uh, it was very gradual at first, you know, so just to have a couple of meals without rice or potato, and it, it went on and on to the point where I noticed all of a sudden I lost all this weight again. And, uh, and I thought, well, now I can start dating because I'm acceptable. And um, anyways, I dated uh, one man. Uh, again, I, I meet nice people. I, there's nothing wrong with the, the, the people that I met. Um, but all I cared about is what they thought of me. I never cared about what I thought of them. And so, uh, that didn't last very long, but I found that I got more and more obsessive, uh, with, uh, the two relationships. So I had one relationship and then very shortly after another relationship and they were the same, same type of men, men whose life did not revolve around a woman, but whose women would revolve around them. And uh, so the more I was into these relationships, the more I restricted food, the more I would run around, you know, the the block, the more Mm -hmm. I would do my exercises until one day it finally occurred to me, like a light bulb went off and I thought, I'm done enough. I was so unhappy. um, And I thought I am done with this dating. I'm done with my body being of service to others and to please others. And that's when I started um, doing a lot of reading. And I eventually, um, I, you know, I discovered first Christy Harrison's podcast, mm-hmm. the fuck it diet podcast, pardon my language. <laughs> it's a real thing, people. <laughs> yes, it is a real thing. And it's, it's very entertaining too. And, but I, then I discovered you, Stephanie, and it was your style and, I don't know, your topics and also the fact that you keep things succinct and to the point and I didn't lose my train of thought when I was listening to your podcast and then it just it just blossomed from there. After I started one of your programs, um, I understood what I wasn't doing before because I had read Intuitive Eating a couple of years before and intellectually I knew what all those 10 principles were. They made sense to me, yeah. but I wasn't applying them. So can we just pause there? Oh, yes. Before we, we go further into this, I think it's a good segue now 
to kind of recap your story before we get to the point of healing. So do you mind saying your age? I don't know if I can say that. Yeah, I'm 55. 55. So for 40 years, give and take, you've lived a life of dieting. Yes. To different degree and different flavor and all centric around what your body should look like and maintaining or getting to that appearance. Correct. And that had consequence in your life in the ROM specifically for you of relationship. Correct. Is that correct? Yes. And somewhere, somehow you had this aha moment. Do you mind coming back to that moment where the light bulb went on? Like, is there something that triggered it or how did it felt for you to say like, I really got to do something right now. I may be afraid, but I've got to do something to change this. Okay. It, um, it was two things. Um, first of all, when I, uh, so this was, uh, would have been January, 2017 when I really started, um, changing the way I ate, uh, and started on this path. Um, as the months went by, I started having a physical pain that I'd never had before, um, in my lower abdomen. It was just this unknown pain. And, um, that was what was happening and it was worsened through these two relationships. And, uh, I went through, I think about 18 months of diagnosing with my, with my doctor, uh, what this could be. Um, and what they came to at first, they thought it was something in something reproductive. Um, and, when I was in the second relationship, there were many different tests I had to, to have done. And when I realized that the, the, the man that I was dating at the time, um, I had told him that I did not want to do certain things because I'm, I was being tested for certain things. And when I realized that he, his, his, his words said, oh, I understand completely. And then his actions were, were belying that completely. And that's when I realized, oh my goodness, again, my needs are being overshadowed by someone else's needs. And I have a real problem here. I had a physical problem that I was dealing with and I had a lot of fear behind it. And I realized that whether it was this man or some other person, it was no longer something that I could rely on someone else to help me with. Mm-hmm. And it, it just it just occurred to me that I was always doing whatever to please someone else. And finally I thought, no, this is it. This is me. And it, and I am going to look at what I need. I have needs too. And it sort of happened like that, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Because it's often in those moments of crisis, deep fear, trauma, accident, that we have this awakening to say like, I have to prioritize me. Like if I don't take care of me, nobody will. Why am I doing all of this? Like these are all the questions I'm hearing from you that you ask yourself. That's exactly right. Yeah. And then the, the pain is greater over there than the pain of potentially not being on the diet and perhaps, I don't know, gaining 10 pounds or whatever. And then there's yeah. a shift in priority. Yes. Yeah. Was it scary? That shift in? The stopping dieting and starting like to heal your relationship to food? 
Oh, it was, it was extremely scary um, because I had always believed that having a certain body made me acceptable. And not just you know in the dating world, but just acceptable. I, I I was a teacher for thirty years. Like you know, I'm standing in front of teenagers all the time, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and mostly not wanting to disappoint people because when you do lose a lot of weight, people are so proud of you, <laughs> and um, it's really hard to to feel like oh now I have to explain myself. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, one book that I read during that time was by uh, Sonia Renee Taylor mm-hmm. called The Body is Not an Apology. Yes. And that was like, <laughs> I realized I did not have to explain myself to anybody. I didn't have to explain anything. And as soon as I took on that attitude, I found no one was asking those questions anymore. Because like somebody, because my mom would say comments like, Oh, uh, you know, she used to want to borrow my clothes when I got thin. And then she started saying the opposite kind of things like, oh, do you want this? You know, it's too big for me, that kind of thing. Um, she, she would do that at the beginning. She might still do that. But after reading that book, I thought, I don't care. I, I, I don't have to explain. I, like, yeah. I am going through something you don't understand. And actually, one of your, uh, one, of, one person in our community in, mm-hmm. in the uh, Going Beyond the Food Academy community actually reinforced that for me one day when I was saying something about how my mom's comment had upset mm-hmm. me. And she said, it's okay because not everybody understands what's going on under the hood. And that really helped me. Like, it doesn't matter what other people think. So yes, it was difficult um, to go through weight gain and then clothes buying and so forth. And the shame of that. Um, but when I started healing, not just my relationship to food, which happened before a relationship to body, because that's still ongoing, yeah. but also my relate my my um, my healing of the my physical uh, symptoms disappeared. I know. So the thinner I got, the sicker I got. Yes. And as I started putting on weight, and I don't have a scale. I haven't had a scale since I was in high school. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I just knew. I, I started to feel like, oh, I, c- I have energy to go through the entire day. I don't have to have a nap in the afternoon, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, my physical symptoms disappeared. So... So in some way, your body was giving you a warning signal that something had to change. And when you comply with the body message, the body healed itself because there was no longer a need to send your warning signal. Oh, I believe it. Uh, yes. Yeah. Right? And that's what we talk about in our program all the time is that our craving are a message from our body. But in the health realm, we can speak to any symptoms as a signal from the body. That's so true. Yeah. Right? It's the same way that a fever is a message from the body to say, hey, like immune system is working on overdrive here. Here's a fever. It's just a symptom, a message. That's right. So very interesting. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no, my pleasure. So you read all the book, you were listening to the podcast, you were working, but this is where I interrupted you. Let's start again there. It did help you, but it didn't get you to... I don't know, change? Like, what was that situation there? So when I read the intuitive eating book, I knew there was something to it because I was done with dieting. I was done with restricting. 
I was done with making a smoothie and green smoothie. You know, I was done with all of that. Uh, and I was slowly starting to introduce food based on the book. Um, but I was always getting tripped up at this 100% pr permission, giving yourself unconditional permission to eat. I could not put that into practice because my belief was so strong that eating too much is bad. Eating the wrong foods is bad. Like I know this so strongly that I resisted that. That was the thing that I resisted the longest. I was able to get more um, a, a relationship with movement that was healthier back. Um, I, I no longer hurt myself running. Um, I did more gentle yoga and so forth. A lot of things the book helped me with. But it wasn't until I joined your community. And by the way, I had um, I had joined another community before <laughs> yours, uh, about a year before yours. Uh, and it's somebody who I respect a lot, Christy <clears throat> Harrison. She offers a, an intuitive eating course. But Stephanie, it was not, um, there was no um, coaching. There was no support that, that the kind of support that I get from your community and you. Okay. Um, so I, I sort of just let it fall off. Like when it didn't work, I just let it go. Um, so it was when I started listening to your podcast, I thought, oh, oh this lady, everything she's saying, I get. Like I, it just, I would listen to you on my way to work. I'd listen to you on my way to anywhere. And I thought, whoa, 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 this, this, is, this is something that really, really resonates with me. And, um, and that's when uh, I, I decided to join your intuitive eating um, course. And, uh, and that, was, that was really, really good. And I, I had gotten farther than I had before. But when I heard about your course, the academy mm -hmm. course, I thought, I need to get into these core beliefs because I'm full of it. I'm full of ideas that I know aren't true, but I still feel are true. And I think for people listening from an external that are not aware, that's the difference between the intuitive eating project. I, I call it like the stepping stone to determine if there's something bigger behind this relationship to food. And that's what you call the core belief, right? There's something holding you back from actually just simply applying the principle. And to be honest with you and all the listener, most of us have those core beliefs that Anne calls and share like long held stuff that we learn when we're really young and our mind tripped us, prevents us from doing the intuitive eating 10 principle. That's what's holding us back. Absolutely. There's so much fear behind the idea of actually listening to your body messages because, well, you're not supposed to be hungry between meals, right? That sort of thing. And, uh, and then, of course, connecting to the bigger fear of gaining weight yeah. and what that would mean. And uh, it's when you tap into the idea that, well, gaining weight, it's actually not a crime and it's actually not the end of the world. And it actually doesn't really mean anything unless you make it mean something. And that's where the piece you're talking about, it's mainly the mindset and the self-coaching. And that's what was in the academy that made it the difference for you. I know you had in the program, you looked like you were having a lot of haha moments and that's what made a difference for you. Oh, absolutely. I, I came farther in, how long has the Academy been going on now? Is it three months? February, March, April, like two and a half months? Yeah, almost three months. Almost yeah. three months. Uh, in these three months, honestly, I have done more growth than I have in previous years. 
And like I said, from like the year 2000, I have read every book, you know, Janine Roth and Carol Hirschman, Overcoming Overeating, everything. Like I've read everything. I'd be surprised if there's something out there that, <laughs> that I don't have. So, um, it, so the three months of the Academy were really, uh, it, was the, it was a breakthrough um, because you taught us that the brain is keeping things from us. And basically, just because a thought is in your head doesn't mean it's a fact. Like that was like the biggest thing of all. It doesn't mean it's true. And we've, I've been living my life based on basically fiction or lies. And so once you can actually admit that to yourself, all of a sudden, nothing seems impossible. That's a great analogy. I've been living my life on a bunch of lies and it's a fiction. It's not even true. Nope. Because if that's what dieting makes up a story in our brain, like the diet culture makes up a story in our brain that says we need weight loss, when in fact, it's not even true. It's not. And I know I, know I talked to you a few times about uh, the, my, my mom, who I love very, very much, <laughs> yeah. but who has, you know, whose ideas have caused me pain. But even in the last couple of weeks, um, because I feel differently about myself because of the work I'm doing with, the, with my core beliefs, um, I feel like all of a sudden she's not judging me anymore. <laughs> and so, I mean, I'm thinking maybe she never was. Maybe. Maybe she never really was. I was judging me. And I just assumed that she was through her, her lenses, but it was really me judging me. Because I talk to her now and like we're having these wonderful conversations. And it has nothing to do with any of my fears of disappointing her because I'm not thin. So that's a big wow too. Yeah, because what we, the way we, I call them putting our glasses on, right? The glasses we wear, we think everybody wears the same glasses and sees life the exact same way as us, right? Right, right. And it's not. Guess what? They have their own glasses. <laughs> That's right. It just, it seems like now that I've like overcome that, that hurdle, I, it just seems so obvious. Everybody sees life through their own glasses. But I thought everybody had my glasses. <laughs> and she literally wears glasses, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so... I think this, the beautiful point of this story here is that you trusted yourself. You listened to your body, not knowing the solution. You knew you needed to do something. You picked up intellectual knowledge along the way, but you were able to be honest with yourself enough to say, like, there's something else missing because this is not clicking. Exactly. There had to be, there had to be more because I still didn't feel better. Even if I knew the information, it wasn't enough. And that's the place where most of us are. And I know I was there for a long time because dieting teaches us to be in our head and be into factual information and counting and monitoring and restricting things where what we're seeking, which is freedom, is the complete opposite of that. Absolutely. And we're trying to heal our relationship to food and body in the same way as we do everything else in life, where it's not like we need the complete different set of skills to heal our relationship to food and body. Very true. And a good example I can think of that is um, the sensation of hunger. Yeah. Um, although I've been working on intuitive eating for a couple of years, and certainly I know when I'm hungry, and um, most of the time I'm able to respond to that immediately mm -hmm. but I still was judging myself there were there are some times like if I'm more active or whatever 
um, an hour after eating a, you know, a complete meal, I feel hungry. And I used to struggle with that so much because intellectually it makes no sense. You know, and I could hear my parents, you just ate dinner, you know, that kind of thing. But I realized once I decided to trust that cue and have a bite to eat, like, you know, a cookie or whatever, like whatever I felt like, just one little thing. And all of a sudden, then I wasn't hungry for another four hours. And I thought, that's what I've been struggling with all along. Because that one little hunger pang, I would suppress and let it go, let go, let go until like after my work day. And I'd come home and I was absolutely out of my mind ravenous. And I had to, you know, prepare dinner for the family. And yet all I wanted to do was eat. It was, it, it was a terrible place to be. And yet my body was telling me four hours earlier, have a bite to eat. And now that I do that, I don't think about food all afternoon. So that's a bit the best example of actually tuning into a sensation. Even though I thought I was an intuitive eater, mm-hmm. that was sort of an, the next hurdle of really like putting my money where my mouth is and saying, okay, if you feel hungry, you will eat. Even if it doesn't make sense in your head that you, you just had lunch. So uh, that, that's a big, big hurdle for me that I overcame. If I can make a parallel for you, that's what happened. One of your relationship, I can't remember which one your gut was telling you, but you wouldn't trust your gut, your intuition, and you continued and you persisted and things got worse. Yep. Whereby if you had followed the cue of the gut from the beginning, you would have avoided a lot of pain and trouble. Oh, 100%. And I, I talked to my sister. She's my, my great sounding board. And I told her this story two weeks ago. If I had known to listen to my instincts four years ago, I would not have been in that situation. It would never have developed into a, a marriage, for heaven's sake. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so now the thing between her and I uh, is always, okay, what does your gut tell you? What does your gut tell you about anything? Yes. It doesn't matter what this topic is. What does your gut tell you? And, and uh, I, we are both, I think, me especially, but tuning into what my gut is telling me. So is it, to, you know, if I need to say this one thing to someone, don't not say it. Just if your gut tells you it's good, do it. And uh, that's what I want to teach my daughter. I really, I really do. Just, just by example, that go with your gut. It's like when we learn mindfulness, sometimes we, in the context of intuitive eating, we start with mindful eating. Like we learn the concept of mindfulness with eating, but then it start explodes to the rest of your life and it becomes mindful living. Yes. Intuitive eating, intuitive living. Very true. Can you see that for your future? Oh, I, I so see it. And even just, um, I can tell now when... I have situations, you know, when you're rushing around and you have a moment between activities and you're just sort of, your head is spinning in the past, that would have been like, okay, reach for food because I I don't know what I'm doing. And now I actually know that means I I have to sit down and take a breath and that's mindfulness. Like I just, wait a minute, slow down, like just give yourself a minute to, to breathe and to think. And it always relaxes me. And then I think, okay, well, now I know what to do next. And it doesn't have to involve food. It, it could be, oh, maybe I need to go lie down. Maybe it's not as important yeah. to do the next activity right away. So um, mindfulness, once you start practicing it, opportunities to use it just come up during the day. It's not like you have to schedule 
in a meditation, which I actually do now that it's part of our mm-hmm. program <laughs> and I'm, I'm enjoying that. But mindfulness creeps up in places where you think this is exactly where I need a bit of a break. So a little mindfulness breathing break and uh, it, it informs what to do next instead of feeling that stress, which used to lead me to reaching for a granola bar or whatever, you know. Well, it allows you to tap into your intuition. I I would like to close because we're coming up on our time, but I'd like to close with allowing you to give one piece of advice. If you had to meet yourself, let's say, I don't know, five years ago before you started to, or you made the choice or had the aha moment, or that person who's listening right now who's on the beginning portion of her journey, what would you say to yourself or this person? I would say, don't think about it. How do you feel about it? Start from how you feel. Go with your gut. And if you are feeling a sensation, believe it. And it just boils down to actually trusting yourself. That's beautiful. Thank you. Welcome. Anything else you would like to add? There was something we talked about a little bit at the beginning about a healing moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. What happens? So when you raise your hand, let me frame it for people. I raise your hand. You want to be on the podcast. Right away you said yes. And then we meet today. So what happened between that time? Like What opened up for you or created itself for you? Okay. So, um, so my, my adult, my beautiful adult daughter still lives at home. Um, and, uh, I, I had never talked to her about any of my struggles with food or body image ever, not even a reference to it. I kind of did the opposite of, you know, my upbringing was always focusing on my, my body. We did the opposite. We never talked about it. If you're hungry, eat, if you want this, go for it. So I'd never, so I'd hidden basically um, my journey from her, and um, you know my books are sort of upside down, my journals are are tucked away, um, and so I was actually considering: Do I tell her I have this call today, this interview for a podcast called "Going Beyond the Food"? And uh, I went back and forth, but my gut told me it was something I needed to tell her, and so I did. And it was hard. I was, I felt, you know, teary eyed because I thought I, there's four, all this time I've never told her what I'm doing. And uh, so I, I said, I'm being interviewed for this podcast. And she says, oh, oh, that's cool. That's interesting. And then she went on to something else. And so that's fine. But me inside, I had, I felt a moment of this opening up and this healing that, that was just so authentic. Um, that I realize now that sharing the story, mm-hmm. sharing my, my story is, is a healing for me. And it, it, instead of uh, hiding the shame, it actually lifts the shame. So, so thank Holy. you for this opportunity. <laughs> well, so this is what's beautiful about doing these types of podcast interview is it's going to kickstart someone else's journey. There's somebody listening to you right now who my word did not reach to her heart, but yours did. This guaranteed there's one, two, three, four, five people that are going to start working on their relationship to food. But as much as you're healing others, you're healing yourself. Isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. It is beautiful. Sharing is healing, and it comes at the tail end of the healing phase. Like if we look at healing phase, I'm not going to do a, maybe I should do a podcast on that, but 
healing phases, there's about seven of them. And the sharing or the manifesting it out is at the tail end of it. And there's as much power in that as the beginning stages. So well done. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for, for this opportunity and for being here and for being so supportive of your whole community. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. And I just want to, from my heart to yours, share of how grateful I am for you to have placed your trust in me. Because I know how desperate we are and how much of a state of fear we are when we begin this journey. And I want to recognize that. And all my students, I always say thank you for trusting me because it's a big sign for you to do that. And I appreciate it. And I recognize it. Oh, it's, it's my extreme pleasure and honor. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Han, for having been with us today. Well, thank you so much. There you have it, ladies. What did you learn from this? I would love to hear from you if that story touched your heart, if it inspired you. Remember, that was my intention uh, for me to share Anne's journey. Uh, I would like to also give you a couple of reflection questions. So if you are one of those women who's listened to this story here and can relate to Anne and are not yet, as Lan taught us, listen to that gut feeling that tells you you can change your relationship to food, but you're afraid. Here's a few questions that I would like you to reflect on. So perhaps takes your pen and paper right now and write those down. Where do you want to be in two years from now? Where do I want to be in two years from now? If no one judged me, who would I be right now? What would I do right now if I wasn't afraid? What do I need to take responsibility for in my current life to be there in two years from now? What would I do differently up to now to have different results for where I am today? And the most impactful one, what stories am I telling myself that are keeping me stuck where I am right now? What stories Am I telling myself that are keeping me stuck where I am right now? If you're doing the exercise of journaling on those questions, please reach out to me and let me know what you're finding out. I would really love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, as always, a review means the world to me. This is my gasoline to put in my car is your review. And it really helps us Uh, get the show to more women by ranking the podcast higher. So truly appreciate if you could leave us a review. And we have another amazing show coming up next. And the title of the show will be What Are You Truly Hungry For? I love you, sister. And I look forward to hang out with you on the next episode.